0: Oh, I, um, I was supposed to tell y'all something in case you forgot about it. Lord's coming back soon. Thought I'd just remind you. Lord's coming back. So, whoever you're mad at or angry with, whether you're in despair, uh, Lord's coming back soon. Don't worry about it. Anyway, tonight I want to share a few things with you. But I, uh, I wanted to read a letter to you. I got this in the mail this week, just a couple days ago. I think it was on Friday. Came with a letter and with a book. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy who came and visited with us from Alabama. I think it was Alabama. Anyway, him and his wife came and had two little kids. They put kids in their class, and they sat in here. And he was a tall fella, and I didn't get a chance to meet him too much, talk to him, but anyway, he really liked what we were doing, and he came because he found me on the YouTube. And he said he just had to come down and visit. So he came down and he visited. There was something else going on, but uh, I can't remember what it was, but a ball game. It was a ball game. And so he came down, and uh, anyway, he, I talked to him after the service, and he really enjoyed the service, and he said he just wanted to make sure he came by to meet me, and because he had been listening to my messages on YouTube. Well, he, uh, he wrote me this letter. He says, Yankee, thank you so much for you and your wonderful church family welcoming me this past Sunday. Since Alabama lost the game, it was definitely the highlight of my trip to Tampa. But even if the tide would have won the game, my visit to Calvary Community Church would still have been my fondest memory of the weekend. Pretty good. Your online videos have helped me so much in my understanding of the true gospel of Jesus Christ and the maturation process that takes place in a believer's life after putting our faith in him for eternal life. As I briefly mentioned to you Sunday, I came out of the Church of Christ's back door, work salvation, teaching that confused me for years, Then a few years ago, when I heard your teaching against Lordship Salvation, suddenly everything became crystal clear. With continued study and reading my King James Bible cover to cover a few times, the Holy Spirit has led me to write in a book that was recently published. I want to give you a copy in appreciation of how much you and your sermons have helped me in my spiritual journey to Jesus Christ. Now I feel like I'm making up for lost time. I want to tell everyone the truly great, wonderful, and incredible news of our Creator and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope our paths cross again, and I will continue to listen to your sermons and think of your church in highest regards. Your friend and brother in Christ, Jason Jack. Now, he wrote that, and then he had in the package of this book And inside the book, he wrote, Yankee, thanks for all your efforts in contending for the faith and sharing the true gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Your service to our Lord is appreciated and has been truly life-changing for me. Thanks again. hope you enjoy the book. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. But anyway, this is the book called In Spirit and Truth. So I uh, was kind of curious, and way back here in the back, it has a, a picture of him. Some of you may remember he came and he sat right down here and uh, he, he has this concern in who he is anyway he says a few things but then he makes this statement dr jack is a former two-time state championship quarterback and football letterman at the university of alabama where he earned many academic accolades including the team's highest gpa award for the 1992 national championship year after college dr jack graduated from the university of alabama school of medicine in birmingham and so forth so i guess the guy played quarterback for university of alabama but anyway so i got the book out and i started reading i thought now if he didn't get clear until he started listening to my youtubes the guy is almost like reading my sermons <laughs> i thought but he goes a lot further and deeper in some other things. But he did a, a pretty good job. And I was very impressed. And so um, he wrote a, a nice book. And he says, do we have to repent of our sins to go to heaven? <laughs> kind of thing. And he's against lordship, salvation. you think he's been graduated from Florida Bible College here. And he's not a preacher. He's a, he's a medical doctor. And he wrote an awesome book just what I've seen. He wouldn't word everything just the same way that I would word everything. But, I mean, for the most part of it, it was very good and very clear. But it just shows you that the sermons that we're putting out on YouTube are making a difference. And um, somebody had sent me something, and so I checked it, and I, I clicked it on there. And one of the subscribers, you know, to the uh, YouTube. And uh, I looked on there, and lo and behold, I went to this guy's site, and he got my sermon on there that I had just preached last week. You know the one last Wednesday night? I a sermon that I preached on um, the extreme vetting of, uh, of Muslims and things like that, and why we need to do that, why Trump should do it. Anyway, he had to get it off of our website and put it on his website. And in two hours, he had 175 hits of views on that one sermon. Two hours, 175 people. Of our, there's people who take our stuff and they put it on their site, and they get a lot more hits on their sites than what we get on our site. Some of them have been going for a long period of time, and some of them have got thousands and thousands of subscribers, and so they're able to have more people. So when they put it there, it gets more coverage. But it doesn't add on to ours. For some reason or other, i got to figure out how to get them, their count add up on my account. But it don't do it. So I don't know if there's anything you can do about it. So anyway, just keep praying about that. I, uh, I thought I would share with you just a little bit about what I'm going to talk about Tuesday. Some of you know I mentioned I am going to be speaking at the uh, UBF, the uh, Unregistered Baptist Fellowship. And a lot of them are good people. There's a lot of good people out there. There really are. And But a lot of people just don't see eye to eye on everything. And uh, I was amazed one time when they had about a hundred Baptist preachers up there in Indiana. And I, Dr. Uh, Greg Dixon asked me if I'd come up there and speak. And I asked him one day, why? He says, because I've never heard anybody as clear on the gospel as you are, because you present the gospel so clear. He didn't agree with me on everything else that I said, but (laughs) he really liked the clarity of the gospel. And so I thought, well, that's good enough. If that's all I get to do that, I'll do that. And so I got another invitation. I've been there in about seven or eight years, and so they gave me an invitation to come and speak. And they said they're hoping for about 50. They're going to have a special thing for Dr. Greg Dixon because of 30 years of doing something. It might have been because of the UBF, because he started it, but he's turned it over to his son. And So whatever, I'll get a chance to speak here tomorrow, a Tuesday afternoon, and I uh, appreciate if y'all would keep that in your mind and pray. Because I, I like to try to help preachers understand the clarity of the gospel. I can't figure out any other thing that I can do to help them in the long run is explaining the gospel to a lost man. Because if we do all this other stuff, but if we fail in communicating to the lost man the truth of the gospel, we blew it. I mean, we messed up. If there was, say this man right down here, let's say he's lost. If a preacher tells him the wrong thing, he goes to the wrong place. I mean, he doesn't get to hear the clear gospel. He doesn't know really what he's trusting to get him to heaven. And so it's not just semantic. It's, it's either true or it's error. And so... That's why I like using that word that I have heard recently called fake news. And uh, the other word, uh, extreme vetting, I I believe it has something to do. So this letter that's on the uh, one side here came from Dr. Curtis Hudson, 1992. Now, Dr. Curtis Hudson was a, a great Baptist preacher, and he was now the editor of the Sword of the Lord. And so before this period of time, yeah, I got a chance to preach with him, but before this... I told Dr. Hudson, I says, you Baptists are excellent in giving invitations. I mean, you can have those people stand up and you can keep on until you get half the church down at the front. You know how to word it, you know how to milk the crowd. I says, you can, you'll get all those that wanna get saved, you come on down. And all of you that wanna dedicate your life, you come on down. And all of you that got a problem in your family, you come on down. And all of you kids that are having trouble with your parents, you come on down. Well, you got them all liner. here. And then they can count to their decisions and look how many decisions we made. And uh, I mean, that's good if you want to do it that way. I says, but when you invite people to come to the front to hear the gospel or to get saved, somebody will take you and show you that, that's, that's okay. But I says, but what about the people that won't come because they're embarrassed or ashamed or whatever? And they got out of bed, they got dressed, they come all the way to church, and now you're not going to tell them the gospel unless they come another 50 feet. I says, give the gospel first. Then your invitation, whatever you want them to do, I don't care. After that, but you ought to give the the gospel first before you invite them. Maybe you want to give them a book. Maybe you have prayer with them. You want to give them a card. You want to do anything? I don't care. I said, but you ought to give the gospel first. And I told this doctor Hudson, and because uh, he was already pretty clear with the gospel, he would just always do it at the end. And so I mentioned that to him, and so he did. He started giving the gospel first and then inviting. Man, I tell you, he had so much more because the guy knew how to draw the net. You know, Dr. Stanford was somebody that knew how to draw the net. He could draw the net. A lot of people go fishing, but they can't catch the fish. A lot of people go fishing they just can't catch the fish. And there's the others go out there, and man, I don't care how, but they always seem to catch the fish. And they call them pros. And then there's Yankee. I can fish all day long. And that somehow that fish knows I'm on the other end of that line. And he ain't going to bite. He's not gonna, he don't want to come in my boat. And so people can go fishing. I was up in Minnesota, and the greatest fisherman of all time, name was Rodney Goba. He said, how do you know he was a great Because he said he was. He was going to take me fishing, guaranteed, guaranteed. If I went with him, I'd catch fish. I said, you're not going to catch no fish, and neither will I. He said, yes, we will. So he knew all where the spots were, and we went, and we didn't catch no fish. But he had a reason. It was the wrong time of the day. The fish were not hungry yet. It, I don't care what it was, but we didn't catch any fish. I like catching this other kind of fish. But anyway, this is what he wrote. He says, Dear Brother Arnold, I was just given the saved report for the month of August. I thought you might like to know that 43 people wrote to say they had trusted Christ as Savior after reading your sermon, The Clarity of the Gospel. Of course, this is just the August report. And I believe your sermon ran in the sword earlier. It was about three, four months earlier. So how many people trust the Lord in those other months? I don't know. That was just in the month of August. But anyway, he um, wrote me a nice little letter. But if you look on the inside page there, where this is the the date, see it was March the 27th. So this was way before August. And so the Clarity of the Gospel is a message that I preached that day. And he happened to put it in the sword. So there's gonna be some people at this place that they don't know who I am. And a lot of them, I won't know who they are. So. Because most of them have heard of Curtis Hudson or they've heard of the SWORD Conference. This is when I preached at uh, the SWORD Conference there in uh, San Antonio. But just to let them know that what I'm going to be teaching on isn't something new. Because what I'm going to preach there is what I preached at the SWORD Conference with Dr. Curtis Hudson. And got a good review because of that. Now, look there at the outline of the message, why the gospel of perfection requires extreme vetting from fake news. So I've been listening to the news lately and I keep hearing those words, extreme vetting. How many of y'all have heard the same thing? Fake news, you heard the words fake news? All right. I thought thought, (laughs) this is a perfect title of a sermon, and for where I'm going and what I'm going to be doing, and I think it would make a, a great sermon. Because I want to make sure that they can discern between the truth of the gospel and fake news. Because this fake news that many are telling people is causing people to be blinded. It's not helping them to see. And many are discouraged. Because I get, I get so many emails. It's incredible. It's incredible. Of people that are messed up because they're listening to what preachers are telling them because they're adding things to the gospel. Remember, the Bible talks about this, and I want you to look at this. Look there in the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And you'll notice this is my text called The Simplicity That Is in Jesus Christ, the simplicity. That is in Jesus Christ. Now, when you have add-ons, then it complicates it. So the Bible tells us here in verse 1, Would to God ye would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by Those two words, very important. Any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, he gave her some false news. He gave her some fake news, along with he gave her some truth. Through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So when you and I believe fake news, things that God did not say, but we believe that God said it because we've heard somebody say that, and next thing you know, it affects what we do and how we live. Then it's it's because we have corrupted our minds. We've allowed fake news to corrupt our minds. And so we believe something that isn't true. Isn't this something that the devil does consistently to God's people? You see, if you're lost, he always tells you you gotta work for it. And then if you are saved, he says, There's nothing to do anymore, don't do anything. Just always the opposite. Of trying to destroy God's purpose in our lives, and so I mentioned this to the college kids the other day. These three things that I have listed here: salvation, service, spiritual life. Uh, you know, they all start with an S because if you're an outline, you're just what you're supposed to do, right, Bob? That, that's what you're supposed to do. You got to outline with an S. So you have salvation, service, spiritual life. So when you're going to talk about salvation, the issue. Is always grace and works. If you're going to talk to somebody about trying to win them to the Lord, you've got to explain to them the difference between works and grace. Grace and works. It's so simple. So you understand that. So then if every one of these issues, whether it's grace, there's people that's got some fake news on grace. If on works, there's people that got fake news on work. Service, the issue is always chastening and rewards. In other words, after you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the issue with a saved person is chastening reward. So that you understand serving the Lord. Why? What's my motivation? Well, one, if you don't, he's going to chasten you. Two, if you do, he'll bless you. Now, both of those should be motivation. Have you ever told a child, if you do this, I'm going to spank you? Why? You're trying to motivate him not to do that. And if you want them to do something, you reward them and praise them, compliment, and it goes a long way. So when we talk about the issue of service, it's always chastening and reward. But you don't talk to a lost man about chastening and reward because he's not a child of God yet. So you have to deal with this issue. And so that's why whether it's at camp, church, radio, I don't care where, I'm always trying to distinguish The contrast, showing the contrast between grace and works. And when it comes to service, the contrast, chastening rewards. Because, you see, if you don't understand that, then you'll think a man, well, if you're really saved, you're not going to do those bad things. No, you're going to do those bad things, but that means you're disobedient. And because you're disobedient, God's going to have to chasten you. So it changes the whole narrative of what you're teaching. And some people say, well, if he was really safe, he wouldn't do that, so they deal with it, and he must be lost. Instead of helping a person grow, they just push him back in the diapers. Spiritual life is always the issue between the flesh and the spirit, between the old man and the new man. And so this is talking about you as a person. You can be the old man, or you can be a new man. And so you have to explain that if you don't teach the two natures, You cannot understand the Christian life. You're just not going to do it. Because you will not know why you do what you do. You'll doubt your salvation. And so many people are not stable in their salvation, so they cannot grow the way they should. And so therefore, I believe all these are very important issues. Is it possible that there's preachers that are not clear on the gospel? And they get grace and works mingled together? And get it all mixed up. Now, when they get that all mixed up, it means they're not clear themselves. You see, if a preacher one time preaches a clear gospel message, and then another time he'll preach a muddy message, muddy is what he really is. Clear was the accident. Because if you're really clear, why would you mess it up? Make it muddy. You make it muddy because that's what you really are. You're muddy in your thinking. You're not clear yourself. So if you're not clear on how to explain the gospel, think what that does to the people that are listening to you. I would venture to say that the people here at Calvary Community Church have a clear understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They know what it is. And they can tell you that if they had a guy come up here, if I had a guy come up here and he was really muddy, y'all would be able to pick it up. And if he was to teach something about uh, evidences of salvation, well, if you're really saved, you're going to want to blah, 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 blah. And you sit there, uh, uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And some of you may start throwing bricks or something like that. If I'm sitting up here, I'll handle it. Don't tar and feather them, dragging them out of here. Just be patient. I watched one time when Dr. Stanford, he had a guy come to church. His name was Peter Dynica. He was a Russian evangelist. And he was well known back in those years, 1964, 5 and 6, and so on. So we're sitting there in chapel and he has this man coming, Dr. Peter Dinica. I don't know why in the world I remember his name after all these years. I've never met the guy except that one day when he had him in chapel. And he got up there and he was talking about asking Jesus into your heart. And buddy, he hammered on Jesus into your heart. <laughs> well, everybody's sitting there, oh boy, this is gonna be interesting. Because we know that as soon as he gets through, Ray ain't gonna let that go. Because he got he got to teach all of us students. So he would have a guy in that wasn't clear. Just so he get a chance to tell us how come. And that person's sitting there on the stage. And so when they get through and they sit down there, thank you, Mr. Dynick, I Really appreciate your sermon today. But we do take issue with the sermon about the part about the asking Jesus in the heart. See, here, we don't, we don't ask them to do that because we just believe that uh, it just means in your mind you really believe something. And he'd go ahead and explain it while the guy's sitting there. One day they had a guy, he came up there and he sung a song. He was a little short fellow, but he was a church of god. A churchy god. But he was a student at the college. But he believed in eternal security, salvation by grace. He didn't believe in tongue, but he was a church of God. But he got up there in chapel one day, and he sung a song. And his song was, it's such a hard road. It's such a hard road that we're traveling and so forth. And he went on carrying on about it, it's such a hard road. And all of a sudden, they're thinking, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. And. As soon as he got through, Dr. Stanford walked up to the platform. He says, thank you. And the guy's name was Luke. Luke something. I can't believe name. But anyway, he looked at him and says, you sing very well. Sing very, very well. Uh, but the song, it has a doctrinal error in it. And it's not a hard road. And you see, I'm going to make it somehow. It's hard, but I'm going to make it somehow. Uh, it's it doctrinally incorrect." correct. And he says, And also the Lord says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart and so forth. And you shall find rest unto your soul. Take my yoke upon you. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, now, there is a yoke of iron in the Old Testament, but that's whenever it's the law. And he says, I'll put a yoke of iron. I said, that's what makes it heavy. So it didn't matter what the people did that would be wrong. Boom. He'd correct them. But we learned how to, you know, to distinguish, to discern those things. Now, look there in this verse where he says in verse 4, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit or another gospel. See, there's three things here that's false. And that's a false Jesus, a false spirit, and a false gospel. So he was afraid they would wind up believing some of these things. Because of the simplicity that's in Christ, Satan wants to add to it complicates your mind, complicates your life. And so that's why you have to understand some of these things. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, very quickly, let's take a look at this. I won't get all this done. You know that. You can tell that. I already uh, got a lot of opening remarks. But in the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And notice what he says in verse 1 and 3. He makes a statement. Chapter 1, verse 1-3. One he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. See that phrase? Teach no other doctrine. Because see, once you know the correct doctrine of these different positions that we take here, you'll understand the correct position on the gospel and on the on service and the spiritual life. Because remember this, when we talk about grace, there is a body of truth concerning grace. And when you talk about works, there's a body of truth concerning works. And therefore, you understand about the law and about the flesh and what it can and cannot do, the limitations. So, there's a body of truth from the Word of God. Don't add to it, don't take away from it, leave it, say what it does. And when we talk about the issue of chastening, there is a body of truth concerning that, there's a body of truth concerning the rewards. So when we study doctrines in the Bible, yeah, we always talk about ecclesiology and uh, you know theology and bodies of bibliology and uh, angiology and eschatology and blah, 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 blah. But there's other bodies of truth that are very important for the Christian to know and understand. So we have to be careful that we don't add our opinions into these critical teachings because we don't we don't like the way it's worded, or something. We want to change it, and, and people don't like that, so we can't cover that. Teach the word of God. This is what He told Timothy: He says, "Preach the word. Just preach the word." And so that's what we want to do. Now look what He says here in verse eleven. In verse eleven, it says, "According to the glorious gospel." Now the glorious gospel is the perfect gospel. You see, the perfection of God. All have sin, comes short of His glory, short of His perfection. So when we talk about the glorious gospel, then the gospel must be perfect. Do you have to be perfect to go to heaven? Then that means that if we're going to preach the gospel and a man gets saved, if that gospel that he believes or trusts in does not make that man perfect, it's not any good. It's insufficient. Because if you've got to be perfect to go to heaven, does that message you believe make you perfect? If it doesn't make you perfect, it's inadequate. Your life can't add to it. Can your life make you perfect? No. Then something you've got to believe has to make you perfect or it doesn't work.